You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Thanks for joining another episode of Titan Nature's Yellowstone. This is your host, Adam Brubaker. Something a little different this time. Uh, if you're listening on a podcast, I would take a look at YouTube on this one. I'm going to have some photos up. And so I'm going to do the audio on podcast, but there's going to be a video on YouTube. To, so take a look at it because this is going to be my update for the month of January. I have to apologize. I, I know I missed the last two weeks. Uh, I did not have as much time or anticipate you know, how it was going to be in the field. So I was in Yellowstone quite a bit this month. And just was not able to make it work to do the last two episodes while I was out in the field. So hopefully this will make up for that. Um, I'm going to kind of go over what's been going on in Yellowstone, especially what I have seen. So I spent, uh, let's see how many days. I was uh, three days on snowmobiles. And then I was eight days on a photo tour or photo adventure. And then I was another four days up north on by vans for another photo workshop. So quite a bit this month, and I've uh, kind of kept track of what's going on. So let me go ahead and get into this and share that with you. Now, if you're on the video, if you're on YouTube, you're going to be seeing a map. And I'm going to go over this map, just kind of give you an idea of where I was staying at. And I'm trying to do those whole things. So if you're listening on the, the audio, uh, you should be able to get an idea of what I'm talking about. For the, the snowmobiles, it was basically from the west entrance for three days. And this was non-guided. And so every year, they have what's called a, a non-guided permit, basically, and it's a, it's a lottery system. So you can put in for this lottery and see if you can get onto snowmobiles by yourself without a guide. And th there are regulations to it, you know, only so many people per entrance per day, the type of machines you have. Uh, I ended up doing this, and we actually, after the permit, I got it on a first-come, first-served basis for those that were left. So I, technically, I started from the north, and then... The rest of the time, we were out of the west entrance. That was three days from the west entrance of Yellowstone, so from West Yellowstone, and then we went into the interior of the park here. Just to kind of zoom in on this, you can kind of see, I want to point out this road from Gardner, Montana, out to the Cook City area out here. This road is plowed year-round, whereas then you have this Tower Roosevelt to Canyon Village which that road is not accessible really at all in the wintertime. And then you have the rest of the road system, which is groomed. It's only open to snow coaches and snowmobiles. So for those three days, basically we stayed uh, from West Yellowstone down to Old Faithful, and then from West Yellowstone over into Hayden Valley area. We were thinking about going over towards the lake and out the Mary's Bay area, out the east entrance a little bit. It uh, didn't work out with what we saw and timing and everything else. The photo adventure I was talking about, we actually, I picked up people in Bozeman and we started at Gardner every day and we would go out to Cook City and back and do that Northern range. So I say, you know, the Northern range, that's what I'm talking about. And then we went over to the West entrance and did snow coaches for three days. Same type of thing down to Old Faithful and back and out to Hayden and back. Uh, we stayed in that area. Uh, so areas we didn't get to, well, let me go the last day again, or the last trip, the four days, it was all here on the Northern Range where we spent our time. 
Uh, I will also point this out, the old Yellowstone Trail Road here outside of Gardner. I'm going to be mentioning that area a little bit. But so basically on this whole time, you know, the area that we didn't cover that was another area that we didn't cover was from Mammoth Hot Springs to Norris. And typically in the wintertime, I don't cover that area. And and also, you know, that's why we didn't go in for Mammoth Hot Springs down is you have this section of 21, 27 miles, 28 miles where there's not a whole lot going on as far as wildlife. I know that they did see wolves um, the last couple of weeks there a couple of times, but in general, not as much going on with a huge section to travel. So that's why we avoid it. So that kind of gives you a breakdown on where I was at, but let me get into what we saw, what we did while we're out. So, and again, this is going to be through images. I'm going to go from trip to trip, and then I'm going to talk about some other things that uh, are going on as well. So, in these images that I'm sharing, some of them are, you know, some great images I was very excited about. Others are because we saw it and I wanted to throw an image in. And so, in general, as an overview, we were very successful while we were there. But at the same time, in general, Yellowstone has been very slow comparatively this this month and this winter season. And that's, I think that's for wolves. That's, you know, for a lot of the wildlife in general. I think things kind of worked out in our favor or there's been some things that have been active. And I'll kind of go through and mention these species that we saw and how we ran this, how we did the trip. So first three days by snowmobiles. One of the big things in the wintertime that a lot of people are trying to see are foxes. And it's for something like this, it's this fox is jumping. It, uh, we only saw this actually once. And actually, I'm trying to think of, we only saw the whole trip, a handful of foxes that were, I guess you could say wild. Um, and I'll, I'll talk more about that later. But this is kind of the, the thing a lot of people want to see with the foxes. In the winter, they're jumping into the snow. And so by snowmobile, we got to see this one day. We didn't see it the rest of the time that I was in the park. Um, Hayden Valley, I think this was actually the only fox that we saw. And it was very brief. Well, it wasn't brief. It was a longer sighting, but most of the time it was too far for any good photographic opportunities. We went out, you know, first thing we went out to Hayden Valley and we got it in late that first day. And so we went out to Hayden Valley, we kind of did some bison on the way. And I think <laughs> I took a few pictures of bison and this fox and I think that was it the first day. Um, second day, we actually heard about a bobcat that was seen the day before that we missed. So we wanted to hang around the Firehole River. And so while we were back and forth on the Firehole River and a couple of places, I actually ended up seeing this pine martin. And it was over where the bobcat was that they'd seen the day before. And, you know, give you an idea is we're, we're looking for tracks. We're trying to find new tracks every day. You know, we hope for snow so we can see what's new and what's not. And we spent a lot of time doing that this morning. And we ended up with this pine martin, which was great. Uh, only wild, I say, unquote, quote, unquote, wild pine martins we saw the whole time. And I'll talk more about that later. So that was, it was great. It was a little distance across the river, especially for the small animal. This image is going to be cropped some, but uh, it it was just a neat encounter. It was short and we got to watch it for a while, kind of uninterrupted by anything. Uh, we went over to Hayden Valley and actually Hayden Valley for, um, when I went out there for the snowmobiles and the photo adventure, we had very good success with otters. And this is just, I like this image. It was a, this otter was very far away and it would actually come up the, the river, the Yellowstone River where this was at was frozen. And they'd go under the ice and they'd pop up 
probably they had a den or something over in the distance. But we had some pretty good opportunities with otters, um, which I'll talk more about. Uh, I got this guy in here. This is a, a, a bull bison. And bison is definitely one of those things that kind of the quintessential Yellowstone in the winter. But I threw this one in here because he's so different. And what I mean about that is his horns are, they're the wrong shape or they're facing the wrong way. Usually the bison, you think of horns as a goalpost kind of sticking up off their head. But these guys, I mean, this almost looks like, uh, reminds me of Sesame Street character years ago where his horns are almost coming straight out. And I've seen this guy before a few times. He's a pretty big bull bison. But, uh, it's kind of neat to see him and actually get some photos just because he's a little unique. And, you know, is one of the things is we do go through, when I go through Hayden Valley, and you stop at Canyon, you kind of hit all the places along the way um, down to Hayden Valley, and I'll go to uh, the Mud Volcano. Is typically at the Mud Volcano, there's a bald eagle that's hanging out there. And the nice thing about this bald eagle is it is very, well, it's not very skittish. I mean, it's because of where it's at, it's kind of on this, I guess there's this little canyon, you could call it, with a river down below. And so you have these areas. So the bald eagle is really up high from where it's standing looking over the river. But at the same time, it's only 10, 15 feet above where the road is. So generally speaking, you have a very good angle on this. And this is actually, I stood on the back of the snowmobile to kind of get a higher angle and uh, photograph this bald eagle. So um, that's something that uh, for a couple of years, it's, this eagle has been pretty consistent in this area. And just so you know, like this picture here that I'm on now, you know, the, the pictures I have for these three days, it was very slow. There was a lot of nothing going on. We did have um, quite a bit of success with the otters. I think we spent the most time with where I'll get more images there in a second. But this was really neat for me. This was something that was unique. So this is the upper falls of the Yellowstone. And the upper and lower falls are typically places that are not on the list of places to go see as far as from the brink, from, you know, right at the edge. Some of the companies have kept this open and have skiing and snowshoeing in there. So we decided to go ahead and snowshoe in, take advantage of this scene in the wintertime. And I'm glad I did because it was very unique perspective to see this in the wintertime. And I didn't get any great photos. I actually didn't uh, take a camera within me. I took some, um, I, I did take a camera. I took uh, some photos. This is actually stitched together as a panoramic. I didn't have any wide angles with me. I took a, a bigger lens in. I uh, took some cell phone stuff, which, which was fine. Next time I do it again, I'll probably take a wide angle and see if I can capture this a little better. But it was neat because I've never been and seen this vantage point. The brink of the upper falls is unique in that you're you're standing right at where all this water comes over and peak season sixty thousand cubics per second this time of year I don't know twenty thousand cubic feet per second or something and it was just a lot of water going over and to see the ice formations it was it was just a unique opportunity you know we we hit this and this is so this is day three and what I've done like four images day three we did hit some more otters by this time we're kind of getting in a hurry that we need to get our snowmobiles back. So this last day we had a rush pretty fast to get out. We have uh, otters and there was a family here of four is what it was. And they were back and forth. We saw them doing a little bit for a while. It was actually just one otter that we saw in this area. But uh, So that was kind of the snowmobile trip. It was not a lot. Um, I would say the highlight was definitely the otters and spending the time and getting some photos I was pretty happy with. Going on to the photo adventure, picked them up in Bozeman. And this is where we're going to get more into that northern range and then go back into the 
the interior of the park and talk about some more things. So this is this old Gardner Road. And so we started here as we're coming in. Let's you know, we dropped everybody off and we went back out. Just had a little bit of time in the afternoon. And right now, I mean, this is where there is just on this stretch of road of Gardner going north. I mean, there is bison, pronghorn, there's elk, there's bighorn sheep. There's a lot of them. I've actually never seen that many animals, especially bison, on that side of the park. And everybody's saying it's because there was so much snow this year that it pushed all of those animals out of that deep snow. And you have a lot of them on the outskirts of Yellowstone. Part of this road is in Yellowstone. Part of it's outside of Yellowstone. Uh, we started there and we had some great success. It's the only place that uh, you can really see the pronghorn in the park right now. And we had some beautiful uh, bighorn sheep on that section. Actually, some of the biggest rams that I've seen. And this here was one of the biggest ones. And one of the ways, you know, what's big, what's small. And I'll show you a couple more images of the bighorns later. You know, you want to look at rings and you can see there's a lot of little rings, but these big rings, if you're seeing pictures of bighorns or if you're looking at this uh, photo I'm showing, you can kind of see where these rings are to get size of or an idea of their age. But there's a couple things. I mean, he's really thick right through here in the base of the horns. And then also right here, you'll notice that the horn at the very tip is broken off. And as those horns wrap around, they're going to start blocking the eyesight of the bighorn sheep. And so they will actually purpose go purposely go up and start hitting their head against rocks, or excuse me, hitting their, their horns against rocks and things. It's called brooming. And they're breaking that back to so they, they don't lose their eyesight on that side. That to be able to see is very important for any of these animals. So anyways, you can tell that there's a kind of a good piece they're missing. And I'll kind of compare that to some other sheep that I have until a little smaller a little later. So I know that was day one. We kind of just spent a couple hours on that back road. We had some bison and things. Day two into the park, this is the only time that we really had and all the whole, you know, in on that northern range again from Gardner to Cook City, that we had good bison movement through the snow. Um, we had a lot of bison all the days that were just kind of sit there, but uh, a lot of them, especially as you get through to Lamar, it's a lot of bulls. The more you got into the park, the more less bison you saw. So this was nice. We had some good bison kind of running through and moving through in lines through the snow, which was nice. Um, I did some landscapes. There was plenty of opportunities for landscapes. Uh, landscapes are not something that I typically do a lot of. I really should do more. Um, if something catches my eye and, you know, I have some good opportunities, I definitely will do that. And I did some this time. Um, I enjoyed this. This is part of Baronet Peak um, seen from a distance. If you've been to Yellowstone, Baronet Peak is kind of on your way out towards the east entrance of the, or excuse me, northeast entrance of the park where a lot of people stop and look for mountain goats. But we are quite a distance back and the light was just nice. And I, I thought I'd give it a try as a black and white. And I thought it turned out pretty good. So speaking of light, there was a lot of days that we had overcast. So we didn't have a lot of sun, which, you know, that was kind of nice because, you know, with the, the clouds, it's typically warmer when you get that sun. It probably is a cooler, or cold day. Um, bighorn sheep we had on this trip, and this is the only time that we had any bighorn sheep on the interior, I did. Um, and it was just a single one. Along the section of the, the confluence of the Lamar River and Soda Butte, we'll occasionally, well, a lot of times we get bighorn sheep through that section. Uh, as far as down low, this was the only one that we saw kind of shootable from the road. 
I know up higher, there was a few places that we saw bighorn sheep, but we're talking half, well, half mile, mile, two miles in some cases, maybe that those were away. And so this was a nice one. We got a few different angles. I have a few more of him. We got him two different days. And it was neat kind of get him this uh, jumping up here. And so we got him jumping up on the rocks and doing a little bit of moving around, which that behavior and seeing them how they move on those rocks was, was pretty neat to watch and be able to, to photograph that. So this is, um, yeah, in that confluence area. The start of day two here, we one of the goals was we knew some moose were out. And, you know, we'd been out kind of too late in the day, the day before where they were bedded or back in the willows and didn't have a great chance for, for them. So we wanted to get out, you know, and drive straight out. So this is past Lamar Valley. This is an area called Round Prairie, uh, close to the Pebble Creek picnic area or the campground there. This was this was nice. We had a good scene here. This is actually a bull moose that uh, already lost its antlers. It was quite a bit closer, but after some pressure, it kind of started moving off, which I would love to see it, you know, as far as photography. You know, I like it moving into these trees, but I wish it was facing me a little bit more. But it was just a, a pretty scene here. And we caught another one up the road, actually not far off the road, a bull moose that we caught for a little while a little later. This was this was nice because you know it had the antlers. It was close. There was a nice snowfall. We sat for a while with it, but it it was bedded the whole time. There was I think three right in this area, and this was the only one that still had antlers on it. And you know something I'll mention here is we we went into Cook City, and as we went to Cook City, one of the things we're looking for along that stretch is foxes again. And we did find one, and we found I found it a couple times on a couple different days for a couple different trips up north, and. I didn't like this time. I didn't, I didn't photograph it. You know, I let everybody else do it. And the reason why is because as much as it is a wild fox, um, it's sitting at somebody's basically front door. It's been fed by people. And so it doesn't act wild. And so I do actually have some pictures of it later and I'll get into that as we get there. But so we did see a fox a couple of times and there were some good opportunities to photograph it. Um, actually most of the time it was sleeping and, you know, the scenario was it was to the side of the house, but trees in the background. And so some people got some great pictures of it. But for me, it was not the setting that I was looking for to photograph a fox in. Way back out, bighorn sheep. And this is the same one. And actually, I should mention that. You notice the horns on this guy compared to the last one. Almost more of a tip where there's a little bit missing. And very, you know, you can tell the horns are smaller. So probably a younger animal, not as mature, not as big as the other one. And this was this was neat because me and uh, two other participants on this tour, you know, a lot of what you do is by the road. And I'm always looking for ways to get off the road, get a different angle on the photography to, you know, do something different. And so two of us kind of walked up and actually started climbing the hillside a little bit just to get a different perspective. And uh, I kind of liked how this perspective turned out because you have this bighorn sheep and he's kind of looking off into what looks like a drop off and out in the distance, which she is uh, kind of on the edge there. That was neat for me to kind of get that different perspective. And one of the things I'm always trying to do is, you know, what can I get that not everybody else? Because if you have, you know, 10 photographers all next to each other and they're all shooting at the same place, at the same animal, same angle, you know, everybody's getting the same image. So I'm always trying to find a way that I can get a different image, um, something that not everybody else is going to have. This was fun. And so it was warmer during this this the week before and the kind of the time we're out here talking we were getting in mid 30s and almost up to 40s 
And so this black bear was a little bit more active. Um, I had rumors that maybe people saw it out of the den before we got there, but we checked it on the, on the way out this last day and uh, kind of peered down and I could just see some fur back in, which is typically the case. Um, but as we're sitting there, or actually there was some, an accident up the road or somebody went off the road. So we were, there was a delay. And so we got out and took a look and they're sitting there. This black bear turns its head, sticks his head out of the den. I thought, oh, it's perfect. So not often you get to see a black bear in its den. When I say not often, just this year and last year, because that, that den was used last year as well and the different bear. But, uh, you know, it was kind of a neat opportunity to see a black bear in the wintertime uh, at its den. Which was which was pretty unique and something that was fun to see. And you know, the, one of the last things that we did was we went up and went to Mammoth Hot Springs, walked around again. This was some landscape opportunity, something a little different. Started to get some uh, blue skies opportunity here. And so this was uh, just a neat photo. I thought I'd turn into a black and white again. I you can see the landscapes, you know. And I chose the black and white option because um, of the type of light that you're getting. It's those, you know, those long shadows and um, it just makes some good opportunities for black and white photos. So this is on top of Mammoth Hot Springs. If you're not familiar with Mammoth Hot Springs, it most of the time when you think of Mammoth Hot Springs, you think of these terraces that are created. And so this is a little different, unique perspective on that area, some dead trees on top. Oh, excuse me, I'm I'm a day ahead of myself. So that was day two. That was not the last day. This is this is day three now coming into the park. Um, and the temperatures have dropped. It's colder. And again, we kind of went straight out towards the Lamar Valley, um, thinking about the moose and foxes and things that we're, um, we're hoping to get. And it was a beautiful scene out in Lamar Valley where you just had this fog covering everything. And uh, another photo group you can see out in front of us that kind of gives you some perspective of what you're looking at. And so this is Lamar Valley and uh, just a beautiful scene here through the low layer of fog that was that was covering the valley. Um, as we went out and back today, we really didn't have a lot of opportunities. I don't think the fox was out. Uh, the moose were far away again. And so, you know, we took some advantage of a few different things, bison. I know one of the things that we did see was a bull elk a couple of days in here, which because of the location where it was at, actually, I didn't get out and take any pictures because I was, I would drop them off and I'd go back and forth. Uh, there was no close pullout, and that was the came, case with this bison. Is we're coming up, and it was a little. There was a coyote walking through, and I saw these bison in the background. There was a pullout up the road, so we took it, walked back. wasn't as great as I was hoping. The bison was probably a little far, but I thought it turned out pretty good. And my biggest thing was I liked the background again. Here you had the bison in the snow, this big rock background to it, and what I found out is a lot of the areas the bison actually blended right into the rocks, and it was big bull bison. I found some areas that I could maneuver where, you know, like in this case, I have the trees behind them. And so again, bison opportunity. And then we ended actually the day back with the bighorn sheep and which, which turned out great. Cause this day it was a, this day, it was a shorter day today cause we were going to drive to West Yellowstone. And so we ended with going out to the bighorn sheep. Now this section of the road, we didn't drive the whole thing this time. We, kind of went around to the bridge and to where the bighorn sheep were. And the reason is, is this is a road in the wintertime with clients, depending on the clients and how comfortable they are. I try to avoid, and that's because there's a, a hunt going on on the outside of the park for the bison. And so there's a lot of gut piles and 
you know, bikes in the back of people's trucks and things, hunting going on. So sometimes we'll try to avoid that section. So we kind of went around just to the bighorn sheep. And this was the best day that we I had with the bighorn sheep. I spent a couple other days with them. And it was because they were so active. You know, a lot of times they're just eating and kind of moving and heads down. But there was still a little bit of that rut activity, that mating season going on, where you have these, these rams that are running back and forth between the ewes and kind of chasing the ewes um, that her maybe later were still in heat. And so it was really neat. They had a lot of heads up and a lot of curling lips, the Fleming response, a lot going on. So I do have a few bighorn, pic- bighorn sheep pictures here that uh, I was happy at. Some, and there was, again, this wasn't that biggest guy that I was talking about earlier. You can see he doesn't have as much broken off at the end, but he's a pretty good ram. You can see some of those uh, lines again that mean tell his age. And so some nice rams in here. And so, and it was a, a night, a neat scene as well. I wish there was a little bit of snow, but it was just some great opportunities. Here's the the big guy. And I really think he was the biggest. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, I apologize. Go take a look at some of these videos um, and some of the pictures. Or if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you might've seen some already and you can get, get an idea of what I'm talking about. So bighorn sheep. Uh, and when I'm talking bighorn sheep in this area, we're talking, oh, what was it? There was. 60 70 bighorn sheep at least which was which was really neat to see and so this is kind of some of that activity you got this bighorn sheep that's up behind the uh a ewe a female and i didn't catch him here but he was doing the fleming response which they curl her upper lip and they're sensing the pheromones of the females that's kind of what they're doing here together actually and kind of i guess you could say unison there's two of them curling the lips and uh smelling a couple of rams same thing here. And what they're doing is they have what's called the Jacobson organ in the back of their throat. They use the female's pheromones. And the bison, the elk, the bighorns, a lot of the animals will do this. Oh, okay, here's the surprise here. So bobcat, um, this was a miracle, I would say. And so what happened is after my snowmobile trip, I think it was the day after I heard about this, um, nobody's quite sure what happened, but they think this mule deer was pushed or fell off this cliff in the Firehole Canyon, and a bobcat showed up on it. And so I was like, oh, man, that was day after. But day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, bobcat's still there. And now I'm starting my trip, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, let's hope this bobcat's here. Day six, day seven, day eight, rumors of this bobcat have circulated through my group. Everybody knows about it. We're talking about it. And we're just wondering if it's going to be there on day nine, which is the day that we're going to be there. And so we show up, we get in, you know, we do snow coaches. You start at 7 a.m. That's when the snow coaches can go in. We went straight to this point. It was cold out. It was in the negatives. And we walked a half mile to where this bobcat was hanging out. And the reason we had to walk here was because in the, in the mornings on this road, there's this canyon road, the Firehole Canyon Road. Only snowmobiles are allowed to go up in the morning. And at one o'clock, the snow coaches can come back down. So we walked in and we were there, I don't know, an hour, probably over an hour. Um, some def- people definitely getting cold. And this is the only scene that we got the whole time. Um, a lot of it was a sleeping bobcat. So I said, OK, let's go back. We're going to come back at one o'clock where we can drive in, have the driver here. It's going to be a little warmer, a little bit more comfortable. Light should be better. Let's go with that. So we did. We left. 
and we went towards old faithful and we got some we did some landscapes we did some bison um some of the hot spring areas that we walked around and had some good opportunities and you know some of those areas i didn't take any pictures i mean there's some beautiful scenes um but one of the things that i did on this trip was and some of these areas that i have photographed quite a bit that even in the winter time you know i talk i just walk around with the clients talk to them and just enjoy it you know it's kind of nice not having a camera up to me all the time. And I did that with a few different subjects, landscapes and wildlife. Anyways, so we were kind of on a schedule and we got back to this road at one o'clock. And we got there about 10 minutes, 15 minutes before this bobcat left. It was it was done with the carcass and we watched it on its way and leave, um, which was incredible because it's one thing to get a bobcat, you know, just like this. I mean, if you look at the picture, just a bobcat above what the remains of an elk carcass just sitting there. And that's not a beautiful scene. Um, but to see the the movement of the cat, um, see the size of its paws, especially you get some video of its its back paws, pretty pretty incredible to see. And then it I mean it just moved around along the the side of the cliff um where the snow met the cliffside and we had some great opportunities to watch it as it left and kept on just going further and further away through the snow. So I was very happy. And I've been photographing in the park. Well, I've been doing snow coaches in Yellowstone for, oh, five, six years. I can't remember. And very few bobcat sightings. You know, the first year I had a few. But after that, I mean, people really want to see bobcats. And I spent a lot of time looking for them. And this was kind of finally that um, encounter with a bobcat that I was hoping for that I thought was very successful. Um, and it's actually been seen by one or one day after this as well. And so it was kind of nice to, there's been such a lull in bobcat activity compared to what it used to be, to be able to um, see this bobcat on this last day that it was around on our first day back in the, or into the interior by snow coaches. On you know the last of this day, we spent some time with bison. And this is, you know, on, in general this day, we didn't have, you know, great opportunities. And one of the things that everybody wanted was frosty bison. And, you know, we want that cold and the frosty bison. And this was kind of our first good experience with that. Yeah, this was kind of our first. I and mean, we had a little bit, you know, a bull bison here. But, you know, we had some opportunities where we had quite a few bison out in front of us, uh, bison along the river, in the river, swans coming by, nice snow. So it was it was a very kind of quintessential, again, Yellowstone moment for us. Where on this day, we were just kind of down between Old Faithful and back, where our focus was that bobcat, and we got some bison. That was that was nice. Uh, the next day, we went in. Anyways, we went in, and we we went to the interior of the park for the first time. So, and this was this was a great day. This, I mean, this day was just filled with one thing after another. So, in the morning, we went straight to Canyon and uh, Canyon Village. And from there, we went over to the gas station. And I mentioned the Pine Martin earlier, one of the things about it. And there was a Pine Martin here. And there's Pine Martins here typically in the wintertime. And this is another one of those scenes where I just watched this time. You know, I photographed them in the past. But this was, um, there's a trash can, a dumpster that I guess doesn't get emptied out all the way in the, after the summer or something. And the Pine Martins come here and they hang out on top and around this dumpster in the buildings. Um, which, you know, is not uncommon for pine martins typically throughout Yellowstone. But on this occasion, I said, you know, it's I'm looking for more natural behavior and it's 
one of those kind of fine lines. Well, not a fine line. You know, everybody has a different opinion on that. If you want to photograph those pine martins, there's some great opportunities. I mean, nobody is out there baiting them on purpose to bring them into this area. And so you have some great opportunities for pine martins at the canyon area. So we started with that. People were thrilled. Um, I've seen some great images come out of that. And after that, we went down, we got to Otter Creek. And that's the image that uh, maybe I put it in the wrong place here. I'll show you in a minute. Anyways, we got down Otter Creek and there is a coyote with a swan. And so the coyote and swan are separate, but I guess it uh, had killed it there at some time during that night. So we sat them with them for a while. And then we went further down and we got into otters. And we had, I don't know how long we spent with these otters, but there was a very, um, it was great. And, you know, one thing I wish with the otters is that we could have been a little closer to eye level or at a different angle. A lot of where we were at the closest point, these otters were kind of just behind this otter that you see was over the bank. And so you see a lot of heads popping up and the back and forth. But we had some terrific otters playing in the snow out of the bank. And again, this is the family four, same group that we I saw earlier in the on the snowmobile trip. And so we just had some great opportunities with the otters playing, poking up through the holes, um, you know, just doing the playful, fun stuff that you think of otters, otters doing. You know, eventually they moved off and that first otter show, photo I showed you that was way off in the distance. You know, they, they go ways off. So we kept on going. Oh, there's more otters. Got a lot of otters in here. And we ended up going towards uh, the bald eagle and got the bald eagle in the tree again. And then we came back and you know, that was about what we did is I think trying to think if we got the otters again or not. Anyways, you can see quite a few otters here. And so that was, that was our day. So it was very successful. I think we got some more bison and, and things on the way out. So very successful second day in the park. And the third day was, I mean, as great as that day was and what we saw, you know, it seems like every day we just had more and more and we ended up getting wolves. And so how this day started was, again, straight out to Hayden Valley. And there was a beautiful wolf, Frosty Bison. I wish we'd have spent a minute more with them. People got pictures of them. But as soon as we're out taking pictures, we hear howling. And I'm like, that howling's not very far away. But we load up and we're driving down the road. And I have, you know, I'm stopping every once in a while. or having the guide stop every once in a while just to kind of listen, kind of get some pinpoints. And we went up to a point, And, I mean, it's foggy. We can't see. And we're just listening and we're waiting. And I finally got to the point and said, okay, you know, this fog's not lifting. It's almost, I think it was nine o'clock, maybe after nine o'clock. Let's go back and try for the frost, frosty bison. And on our way there, we get um, flagged down by somebody that we told about the wolves and they have them all. Um, well, they have nine of them. I think I see nine of them out across the valley. And so you can see here, four of them here. And they were just putting on a show. They were out there moving. They were howling. And so we spent some time with them. And then when the wolves got on the move, I said, let's get on the move too. And by this time, a crowd has gathered. A lot of people are following, watching the wolves. And a few coaches move up the road. And two of the wolves get closer. And as we get up and we set up, these wolves actually just cross the road in front of us. And it was just incredible uh, sighting to have wolves that close. And to be able to see them that good. And, you know, let me back up because the day prior, I missed this, the day prior, 
we did have a single black wolf at a great distance. I mean, it's two miles away in the tree lines. A couple people got some really poor photos of it, but they were ecstatic that they saw a wolf. And that's a lot of case with, with people in Yellowstone is just seeing a wolf. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you hope to see in the wild someday. And they were able to see one. So the next day to be able to have an encounter like this, where we get two wolves that cross the road, it was incredible. And they were close. They crossed within, I would guess, 75 feet of us. And again, you know, hundred yards was the rule. One of those things that, you know, the wolves are hundred yards out where we're stopped watching and they're kind of going in the fog. They're moving away. We all go up the road and everybody stops. And then the wolves are like, okay, it's time to cross. And they move fast. So it's not like, you know, the way, the way I've heard, you know, people talk about this and, you know, what to do is you don't want to rush to the vehicle. Everybody get in because they're going to be hundred yards. If the wolves are on the move, they're crossing by, stand back, give them their space and just enjoy it. Take a few pictures. And that's what we did. And I mean, it lasted a minute, maybe, you know, probably less than that. These two wolves crossed the road up the hill out of view. And so we continue to follow the, the main pack at a distance. They were, you know, stayed on the distance for quite a ways. And so at this point we have, you know, there's seven wolves on one side and there's three on the other side. One wolf that had been on the other side the whole time. Did a lot of howling, a lot of back and forth. And at one point we missed it because, you know, we're back and forth and that gray wolf actually came and crossed the road again and went back to the other side. And so anyways, wolves and the wolves in the interior of the park had been very hit and miss this year. Not very consistent. This is the Wapiti Lake Pack. And the Wapiti Lake Pack is um, smaller than they've been in a while. A lot of times they will end up going up north and hanging out when they have a bigger pack. But there's enough wolves up north. I think they've been hanging out down lower. And it's, it's harder to food, find food down south. And so they've probably been out and about and moving a lot of places. So they just haven't been seen as much. So this was neat. And I should mention that I, one thing I forgot was we did have a wolf on the snowmobile tour. But again, it was two, three miles out. And I mean, it was a speck in the frame way out. So it was neat to see. But to have an encounter like this where we were able to see him close, this was great. So we spent until probably, I mean, this is what we did all day until we had a lever around two o'clock or just after two, kind of on our way back out. On our way out, um, we got the coyote um, along the river. And this was nice because this is the only time that this group was able to get anything pouncing. And so this is the, the last day with them. And we ended up getting this coyote pouncing in the snow. Well, some of them did. I, I put my camera down for a second to check a setting and then coyote pounced. So we had the coyote here along the river the last day, which turned out great. And it uh, that was the the seven, eight days. The next day, I took him up to Bozeman and dropped him off. So it was very successful. And after all that, you're like, well, you slow in Yellowstone? Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, we had a lot of good sightings. Um, but in general, the time between sightings and, I mean, so things that we were missing was, the, I guess, the amount of coyotes. I was very surprised how few coyotes that we saw, how few bald eagles. The foxes that, I mean, I spent a lot of places, a lot of time looking for foxes in areas and they weren't around. You know, we got very lucky with the bobcat. We got very lucky with the wolves. Otters are the one thing that seems like it's been consistent out there at that spot. 
and you always get bison, but you know, a lot of the bison are outside the park or on the, the edges right now. So, I mean, it was a very successful trip. We had a lot of good things in general. It's been and slow and it's, it's hard to believe that. So then going on to the last four days that I had, um, I started and I spent some time with the big horn sheep just personally. I got in early. We were going to just do a meet and greet at five o'clock and do dinner that night. So I got in early and spent a couple hours with the big horn sheep. And I didn't get anything that I was super excited about. And a lot of it was the bighorn sheep were up high. You know, I hiked in a little bit. They were mostly eating heads down. So nothing terrific. And that's kind of how it was. Well, I, I got a couple um, when I actually took the group out. They're the two people I had on this one. Um, we got a couple of bighorn sheep, but really I, I was disappointed in the bighorn sheep this time. And that was multiple factors. But um, So I got a few of them. Um, this is the guy that I was really going after, hoping I could really get some good stuff. And I think that was the only real decent photo I had of him. Um, so, you know, a little bit of hit behavior, but this is as much as I spent with him. We didn't get a whole lot. So as we went in with the, um, this group on day one, we actually went out to Cook City and we had five foxes. Now, I mentioned the Cook City fox earlier, and there was one hanging around. And this time, kind of what happened was, I kind of say there was three wild foxes and two not so wild. So two of them you can see had been, you know, fed and were, I mean, this one fox uh, was just walking up to people. So it's not the ideal situation for anything, um, for anyone. And so that fox um, and the other one that were kind of like that, it's a little further away, I tried to avoid. And this photo is one of those foxes. It was hard to avoid. We were lock, walking along the road to see what the foxes where the foxes were and what we had going on. And this guy basically came um, right up on this hillside in front of us. And so it was something that's beautiful. It's hard not to take a few photos, but most of the photos I had from this encounter. Um, and what we tried to do is there was three foxes that were on the outskirts and, you know, I don't know what brought them all here. You know, it was partially food getting into a matey season. So, so half five foxes in one area, this is the only day that they, I know of that there was five of them seen together. And two of them would be up on this the hillside on the outskirts of town. And we kind of walked to try to focus on those two that were acting a little bit more natural. The nice thing is every time we would try to approach them, they didn't like that. And so they would move off. And so we ended up leaving them alone. There was one of them that would just dart back and forth across the road. I think he wanted in, but people around, so he'd take off again. And so that's kind of this this encounter with the foxes in Cook City. And again, there's nothing wrong with photographing them and, you know, enjoying those foxes in that setting. Uh, for me personally, it's something that um, it's not the setting that I want to photograph the foxes in. Same thing. I mean, that was one second, next second, he keeps coming. Um, we had some good coyotes, and I was actually quite surprised on how many coyotes we had. Um, in this day and coyotes that were photographable when i say photographable like you know the last trip we had two coyotes they were perfect they were beautiful but they're on a section of road that's under construction which some of the logistics of the park i'll talk about a little later it was under construction and it was tough to you know photograph them and there's no way to stop and get out and photograph them so on this trip we had some great success with coyotes and this one we followed for quite a while and it was nice because he was walking through fresh snow um and you know not nothing that was tracked up it was nice and then this is actually another coyote 
that we followed down the road for a while and we got ahead of, and it was kind of a, a hard situation. We wanted to stay ahead of it, see if it would come off the road somewhere, which it never ended up doing. It uh, stayed on the road the whole time. So one of the pullouts that we were in, we kind of just stayed back and let it walk past us and got a couple photos as it went down the road on its way. This was nice. So on the, the previous trip, we just really saw, no, we had we had three bull elk, one kind of further in and two, what's called the blacktail area. And when I got those last time, I didn't share any pictures. They were basically sleeping both times. Well, um, well, one was a bad angle looking down on it. And anyways, and the other one, there was two of them and they were sleeping, eyes closed. But on this day, as we were coming out, getting close to um, dusk, we got two of them just off the road. And then they ended up both getting up and walking around and gave us some great opportunities. And they're just beautiful bull elk. And so not a lot of elk in the winter in Yellowstone. A lot of the elk that are there are on that northern range and on the outskirts of the park. You see a lot of cows on the out, you know, outside of Gardner and things. But in the park in general, you're, you don't see a lot. They are around. And if you look hard and you catch them in a few places, but in general, you're just not seeing them very much. This was a neat scene. Um, I did a panorama again, another landscape here. And just kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at in the wintertime. And, you know, a lot this last trip, a lot of it, what we had was most of it was cloudy again. It was overcast, which is okay. The overcast is nice. Uh, it can be a kind of hide your shadows and things. You, we just shed a little bit more light. But this is Soda Butte Creek that comes through here. And this is that scene where the, this is actually where the moose will hang out. Uh, you get them right through here in the willows and up further. And in the summertime, you'll get bighorn sheep up in this area. This is all part of Norris. So anyways, that was uh, a neat scene that we stopped and took. And again, you know, these all of these trips were wildlife based. But as you're not always getting wildlife, you know, I told them, hey, let's get out and dust off the camera. Um, let's take advantage of some of these pretty opportunities we have. And so we did that along the way. When you have the opportunity, you know, to take the landscapes, even though wildlife was our focus, um, we took landscapes and enjoyed the scenery along the way. This was this was a fun little spot. This is right by Soda Butte. We had bison, some bull bison hanging out in this both days. And first day, they kind of crossed the creek. And the second day, we caught them um, at the creek again. And this one, we were hoping, would you know, get in the creek. And give us some opportunities with the reflection, which, you know, looking through the pictures, um, nothing that was terrific. I enjoyed it. Um, not quite what I was hoping, but this one actually turned out. I enjoyed this where um, it actually put its head in the water to get drink as it came up. Just all the water spilling, which was neat to see and to get some bull bison that way. That's one of those. You know, I think a target species for everybody at time all is bison in the winter time, which I've mentioned a few times. Not only did we have the moose moose out of Pebble Creek, but there was another spot at um, Geode Creek where a couple moose were hanging out. Most of the time, further back, but on one day we kind of gave this this cow some time, and she moved forward and came through the willows and uh, gave us some good looks out in the open. We went out that back road again, hoping for bison um, or excuse me, bighorn sheep, and we got a couple of them in a different location that turned out really nice. Uh, we got a lot of pronghorn again. There was a lot more pronghorn on this day than I'd seen out there previously, a lot of movement. And then the last day it was, no, excuse me, the, 
second to last day. So this is the day three, and then the last day was a full day. Um, we spent a lot of time within a little area uh, hoping for wolves. And so we started the morning, seeing the wolves, a lot of people around. Wolves went on a walk. We lost them. A lot of howling, a lot of back and forth. Everybody's moving around trying to find where they're at. And they just weren't seen. Nobody could find them. A lot of people gave up. And so it was very snowy, very poor visibility. Made some excellent opportunities for these bison. I think I have a few of these bison in here. Uh, just a group of bison in the snow, covered in snow. It's snowing hard. It kind of gave us an opportunity, something to break up as we're back and forth looking for these wolves to kind of go get these bison and go back, look for the the wolves again. And just, you know, a pretty scene. And this is, I think we're all very happy with this scene and be able to photograph these bison in the snow. And so, and after a while, we, we did end up going out to Cook City, looking for the moose, foxes, other things again. No luck. We came back. And at the end of the day, a couple, you know, one of them was, you know, ready to move on. And one kind of wanted to see the wolves and see if they came out. And so I think, you know, I thought four o'clock, that'll give us enough time out, photograph things along the way. Wolves aren't by four o'clock. We're out of here. Looked at my watch. I got one minute and just started scanning. And literally 359, started scanning. And I said, I got them. And they they were ecstatic to hear those words out of my mouth. Now, it was neat that we saw them. We got them closer than we'd seen them. Um, you know, we could look through the spotting scope. They were at the tree line. Never got any great photos of them. But just to know that it was the, the payoff of spending the time with the wolves all, you know, looking for them and hoping for them all day to catch them at the end of the day. And kind of the last thing as we went out. The last morning that we spent, we spent just kind of over at Mammoth Hot Springs. And then we spent some time on that back road with the bison again. And it was quite incredible. So with the bison the day prior, um, or the days prior, we were watching all of the bison move towards the park boundary, just lines of them. There's hundreds of them. It was just crazy. And they're all moving. And going to that line, that's where the hunters are. And so this is Saturday. And I think you get a little bit more hunting happen on the weekend. So we're in there and I look off in the distance and all the bison are running back, coming across this field. They, we lose them for a second. They drop in the river. They come back up. And that's why I did this close up. I mean, they went through the river. It was freezing, windy, and had all these bison coming back out, you know, going back into the park by the hundreds, just lines of them. And so we spent the kind of the morning doing that. And they, they were really worked up. We had a lot of running, um, which kicking up the snow just made a few beautiful scenes. So it was very neat to see the movement out of the park and that movement coming back in. And just the, the lines and the, the hundreds of bison there. Um, Mammoth Hot Springs. This was kind of the neatest scene that I saw there. It was nice to have this line of bison coming by the terraces. And this is a Liberty Cap. And so they were kind of moving on their way. So we hit the bison. And that's really how we wrapped up the trip. We dropped everybody off by 11 and went our way. But uh, let me share a couple more things with you here about, you know, because we had flooding last year. And on the interior of the park, you don't see any changes. But on the northern range, you you see some changes. So a few of those changes is, and let me go back to the map and I'll show you here. You have this road right here. Um, there's a road between Mammoth and Gardner, and that main road is washed out. 
not usable. So there's this on the map, it says it's a one way road and it's the old stagecoach road. And they have updated that to make that the official road back and forth now. And now I would call that a slow road. What I mean by that is there's some steep inclines, there's a 10% grade. There are some sharp turns that are 15 miles per hour. The road you have to be careful on, especially in the snow and the ice. And so it's great that they have it. And it's a beautiful road. It's I'm glad that they did it. We have access, but it's one that you should be slow and be careful on. So that was new. And we did that back and forth. Um, and then the other things that were new or different is out at um, Elbow Creek out here. So getting to this point past Trout Lake, uh, new section of road that you're traveling on is real well. And then at Pebble Creek, it is still closed down due to the flooding and things they had in that area. But usually I'm used to stopping there and, you know, there's a restroom and a nice pullout. And then up the road at another picnic area, the Soda Butte picnic area, that's all closed and not accessible either. A lot of washed out areas, a lot of uh, debris in there. And so that's another one that's not accessible. And then from Slough Creek through the Lamar Canyon area, it's a one-way road with uh, a life. They say it's about a four-minute wait. And so one, one group of cars at a time or one direction at a time as they go back and forth, as there was parts of that were washed out. So that's still going to be a lot of work there in the canyon. And so that kind of gives a, an overview. Well, let me let me go over a couple more things. So that's kind of what happened. Let's let's talk about an overview of beyond my trip of last um, this month. So wolves have been tough. Um, I know that they've been seen, but it sounds like from everything that I've seen, you know, a few different packs have been seen up north, but most of the time they're far out. And there's been a lot of days where you just nobody's seen them. Moose have been pretty good. At two different locations, so that's nice. That's a plus. Um, otters down south have been good. Otters up north, hit and miss. You know, one of the species I did not see um, at all the whole time, which is I thought was pretty strange, was a weasel, ermine, and they're the ones that turn white in the winter time. And so that was one of my species that I was really hoping for. Been a time, a lot of time watching for as we drove. A lot of tracks, but just not, did not see any. Foxes were definitely and so. You know, as far as the wildlife, I don't say, oh, it was just a bad winter. We saw a lot, but I'm just kind of giving you the reality of this winter, and it's been a little slower. Foxes, you know, just really at Cook City. I mean, we've had a couple others have been seen, nothing consistent. You know, the bobcat was great and consistent for nine days, but in general, not consistent. You know, a lot of those animals, it's just amazing how many, especially bison, are outside of Gardner through the park, through that northern end. And that, you know, it explains why there's, you know, it's slow, is you have this deeper snow this year, you have more snow this year. Those animals, you know, the prey animals, you can say, are leaving, trying to get out of that snow. That's where the predators go to follow. And so I think a lot of it, and what we've seen this year is um, a lot of it's due to snow. But uh, I hope that's a kind of a good overview. I know that's long-winded. You know, it's really a trip report for me. But uh, if I missed anything, please reach out and let me know. Uh, take a look on YouTube, Tied to Nature on YouTube. Take a look on Facebook for the photos there. I, um, I have videos posted in both places. Um, so and kind of give an overview. If you go to Facebook, there's a great video I did under Tied to Nature of is that uh, that seven, eight-day trip. I did a lot of video, and I created a highlight reel that's about seven minutes, six minutes long. 
so go take a look at that. But thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Tied to Nature's Yellowstone. Thanks for listening to Tied to Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Tied to Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.